0: You're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. Good morning. 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 I always worry when I get up here because... As you'll know, when I spoke, if you were here at the carol service, my eyesight's not as good as it was. And so I make my font like 22 on my thing so I can just look at it. And I worry that this is going to be high enough to see, but we're all good. I'm Dina. For those of you who don't know me, I'm part of the pastoral team here at New Life. And it is a real privilege to be able to speak to you all um, this morning. I was just congratulating myself because um, I needed the toilet. So my son was like, you've got time to go out, Mum. It's all right. And I'm sat in the front. I'm like... It's all good. I'm ready. And then Mark leant over and whispered, Have you sorted your microphone? I'm like, oh! I'm trying to attach this thing with curly hair, glasses and earrings. is a, a, a bit of a trial. But I've remembered it and, and I'm up. So so we're all good. I want to dive straight into the Bible this morning. Because the Bible is always a great place to start when you're bringing the word of God. Because this is what we preach from. So if you have your Bibles, whether a paper version or an app version, uh, why don't you turn to the book of John. John chapter 8. So John's in the New Testament, the fourth book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to read the first few verses of John chapter 8. I love it. I can hear some pages going. Who, hands up who's actually got a paper Bible with them today. Oh, we have got a few. Can't beat the feel of a book in your hand, can you? All right, let's read from John chapter 8. It says this, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Let's just take a minute to pray before we get into this. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the truth that is contained in your word. And it's that truth that we want to hear this morning. It's truth about you truth about who you are, truth about what you are like to us. So I pray that as I speak this morning, that you will speak through me and that your word will land in soft hearts that are ready to receive from you. In your name I ask is Jesus. Amen. 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 What a story. Here you have a woman who has not just rumored to have been an adulterous woman, but she's been caught in the very act of adultery. And we don't know whether when the Pharisees and religious leaders, when they, they kind of pulled her and, and, and almost threw her before Jesus, we don't know what state she was in physically. Was she dressed, part dressed, not dressed at all? We don't know what the journey was like from wherever she was caught to, to where she is now. But what we do know is that here she is, been brought before Jesus. She would have been humiliated. There would have been real embarrassment there. And you've got these religious leaders who actually are very sneaky. Because where's the man? To be caught in the act of adultery needs two of you. Where was he? My imagination runs a little bit wild. So what I'm about to say is definitely not in the Bible. But what I like to think might might have happened is that maybe she was caught with one of their own. And they wanted to save face. And so they kind of let him off and we're going to make an object, a, a spectacle of this woman... But also, they could have just kept her in private custody. They could have just dealt with it themselves, and yet they choose to publicly bring this woman before Jesus. So not only is she humiliated, but they're trying to trap Jesus. Because, you see, the Mosaic law that the Jewish people followed said that when a woman is caught in the act of adultery, she deserves to be stoned to death. Stoned as in actual stones, not the other kind of stone that we might know today. Um, (laughs) But the Jewish, the Roman law, sorry, so the Jewish law that the Jews followed said that's what should happen. And yet the Roman rule of the day didn't allow Jews to execute people. So they were trying to trap Jesus between a rock and a hard place. Because if Jesus says, yes, this woman deserves to be stoned, that's what our law says, then Jesus is on the wrong side of the Roman rule. But if Jesus says, no, no, don't stone her because he knows the Romans don't allow that and the Pharisees have got him because you're breaking the Jewish law. So it was about trying to trap Jesus. And they say to Jesus, like, what do you think? This is what our law says, but what do you think, Jesus? And I think Jesus' response is absolutely genius because instead of answering them, he just chooses to ignore them and he bends down and just starts writing something in the dust. And is my earring bashing on this? Sorry. Is it all right? And scholars don't really know. There's a lot of different um, kind of uh, suggestions as to what he might have done. The truth is we don't know. What we do know is it ignored them. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate being ignored. Anybody else really, really dislike being ignored? On the very, very rare occasions that myself, my husband, Mark, might have some kind of less than pleasant words with each other it doesn't happen very often but on those very few occasions I'm quite a fiery person um, I don't know if you realize that but I, I'm quite passionate quite fiery and Mark will often say I'm just going to give you some space oh my goodness it winds me up because I'm like no no let's get this sorted I want to know why aren't you doing this like I'm and he ignores me if anything makes my blood boil more, and he thinks, pleasantly he's helping me. I'd just rather kind of us clash and get it sorted and be done. But Jesus chooses to ignore the Pharisees. So here are the religious leaders in front of their people with this man, this teacher that they already don't like, being ignored. Can you imagine then how, how they are then feeling? And so the Bible says they keep on demanding an answer. Jesus, what do you say? What do you say should happen to this woman? And then Jesus speaks some game-changing words because he, in his own time, he stands up and he says to them, okay, but let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Any of you that have done nothing wrong, absolutely go ahead and throw the first stone and then he bends down and does whatever he's doing in the dust again. And one by one, They realize that Jesus' words have shone the spotlight on their hypocrisy because obviously none of them were without sin. None of them had kept the letter of the law in its entirety. And so one by one, starting with the oldest, probably the wisest among them, they start to leave until there's just Jesus and the woman left. And then Jesus at that point says to the woman, where are your accusers? Did, Did nobody condemn you? Did nobody cast a stone he said, no, nobody condemned me. And then the most beautiful part of this story happens because Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. Or some versions say, go and sin no more. It's a powerful, powerful account, not only of how These men who try to humiliate and destroy this woman, how Jesus' response is one of kindness and one of grace and one of love. So I just want to look this morning at some of the things that from this story we can learn about Jesus and how that applies to us today. The first thing is that in Jesus we are accepted, not condemned. We are accepted, not condemned. I don't know if you've ever had... Um, you might be a real car fanatic in here and know like, lots about cars and models and makes. I'm definitely not one of them people. In fact, I was somewhere the other day and I had to fill in... Um, I was signing into somewhere and you had to say what your car make number plate and something else was. And I'm like, mine's grey. Like, I can't remember what kind of car it was. I just knew it was grey. Um, but if you've ever had a car that's... Um, we've, we, we've had a few in the past when... To fix the car would cost more than the car is worth. You know when everything's gone wrong and actually it's it's just cheaper and easier to go and take it to a garage and say what will you give me for this and I'll put that towards a new one. I remember we had one, I think it was a Vauxhall Vectra going back in the day and um, the power steering went amongst other things. The aircon wasn't working and trying to drive a car half an hour with no power steering, it was like a Tank, you know, you're kind of taking the roundabout as wide as possible. But when you take that car in it's kind of its broken, messy, dirty state, and you take it to the garage, you're basically saying, "What value do you, do you put on this? What value will you give me for this?" And then hopefully they give you a lot, and you can put that towards another car. In some senses, that's what the Pharisees were doing in this in this story, throwing this woman before Jesus. What value do you place on her? What value do you put? She's broken. She's messed up. She's sinful. What value do you place on her, Jesus? And I absolutely love that in her brokenness, because let's not kid ourselves. She was wrong. She was doing something she shouldn't have done. But in her brokenness and in her mess, Jesus accepts her. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't send her away. He doesn't say, yeah, woman, what are you doing? I'm going to cast the first stone because I am without sin. He fully, fully accepts her. He had every right to condemn her because she was wrong, and yet he chooses instead to act with grace and love and kindness. And, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that today, for you and I, with our mess and our brokenness, And our stuff, because we all have it, no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how long we've walked with Jesus, whether a short time or a very long time, we all have stuff that we battle with or that we wrestle with and we know is contrary to how God wants us to live. We all have that. But yet when we come in our most broken, messy state, Jesus says, I accept you. Fully as you are, I accept you. You're mine. You're loved. And I love that we can come to a God who doesn't condemn us, who doesn't cast us aside, who doesn't shame us or guilt us, but he fully embraces, fully, fully accepts us. And we talk in New Life about living our faith in the gritty reality of life, And for me, this sums this up because I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to get everything sorted before I come to Jesus. But just as I am, with all the stuff that I'm facing, with all that's going on in my life, yet Jesus accepts me just as I am. And I want to encourage you this morning right off the bat that you can invite Jesus into your mess and into your brokenness and you will be accepted, you will be loved, you will be welcomed with open arms of grace and kindness because that's who he is. You'll never find another love like his. You'll never find in anything else, anybody or anything that accepts you as he does. And maybe for you this morning, that's the only thing you need to hear me say. Now, I'm going to keep on talking, so you're going to have to keep listening, but maybe that's the only thing you need to hear me say, that you are loved and accepted just as you are. You might say, well, yeah, but... You don't know what I'm doing at the weekends. You don't know what I watch and I know I shouldn't and you don't know what the struggle... No, I don't know that, but he does. And yet he still loves you and he still accepts you. And sometimes it's us. We are the ones who are so down on ourselves and so hard on ourselves and and, and we almost don't accept ourselves. But Jesus says, I love you and I accept you. And he, going back to the what value do you place... He places the highest value, because he was willing to say, I'll give my life for you. Yeah. There is no higher price to pay than that. Now, some of you, and I get this, I think if um, my grandparents were maybe, they've passed on now, but if my grandparents were sat in the room today, they'd probably be getting just a little bit squirmy in their seats, like, but what about the sin? But what about how she lived, because that was wrong. What she was doing was wrong. It's all very well saying we're accepted and we're loved, but what about? It matters. And it does matter, but we're going to come to that. So we're accepted and not condemned. But we also see in this that there's a challenge to change. There's a challenge to change. About ten and a half years ago, something beautiful happened. Something, Something that was worthy of celebration. Something that was... Um, a really proud moment for us as parents. I just wonder if you could put the first picture up, please. Here, this is my youngest, Georgie. You will have seen she's got the little ginger-haired one. Ten and a half years ago, she learnt to stand for the first time. I mean, what a moment. What a moment. She was a little baldy. She didn't have much hair for a very long time, and yet now she's she's got gorgeous locks. But... In this moment, we absolutely celebrated. In fact, my kids say, Mom, why did you take a picture of that? I'm like, it was special. All the parents, you know, it was special. Yeah. We celebrated her. We fully, like, this is amazing. She wasn't quite worn. She's learnt to stand. Come on. If she'd have stayed like that and now could only just kind of stand and hold on to furniture, we'd be in a little bit of trouble because actually... It, within her is the ability to grow, the ability to develop, the ability to not only stand but walk and run and dance and do gymnastics. And so, even though at this point she was fully loved, and we weren't cross her because she couldn't walk, weren't cross her because she wasn't doing cartwheels, this was amazing. And yet, as parents, our job is to help her to grow and to continue to develop. She changes. I was also looking through some photos this week, and um, some of you all know um, our son, our eldest, Micah. He's the one, he's normally at the back doing the words of the cameras, and he's actually the one that puts church news together every week. So if you do see him, just give him a little encouragement with that, because I'm sure he'd really appreciate that. But I found this picture of Micah this week. Just put the next one up. Look at those curls. Look at those curls. Ladies, if you've got sons, don't ever cut the hair, because they lose the curls. I wish I'd never had his hair cut. But this is Micah, and this is his first ever drawing of us as a family of four. So as you can probably tell, on the left is uh, Georgia, then it's me, then it's Mark, then it's him. This is Micah at two and a half years with the best artistic skills he's got. I did ask their permission before I use these, just so you, just so you know. You see, this, at that moment, because he said to me, why did you take a photo of that? I'm like, son, it was the first drawing you'd done of us all as a family. It was amazing. He's like, no, it was really rubbish. <laughs> but you see, at that moment, that was his best. That was, that was we celebrated it. We, we loved, you know, I've got boxes full of old drawings and pictures and all the things that they've done. But if that's where his educational and intellectual ability stayed, now when he's coming up 14, that'd be a bit of an issue. He might say his artistic skills are still the same, I'm not sure. But in terms of his intellect and his education, he's grown, he's got skills and talents, he's developed. Because, you see, even though we accepted him in that moment, fully loved, fully cherished, we knew there was more in him. We knew that there was more to come. And it's exactly the same with us in our spiritual journeys, that yes, we are fully accepted, however we come, whatever we've done, whatever's gone on in our past, we are fully accepted, and yet there's a challenge to change and a challenge to grow. See, with this woman, the woman in our story, Jesus didn't say, okay, well, I don't condemn you, go back to what you were doing. No, 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 he says, go and leave your life of sin Go and live differently now that you've encountered me. Now that you've encountered that love and that grace, don't go back to how you were. Go and live differently. This is a, an opportunity for a fresh start. This is an opportunity for you to begin afresh. Go and sin no more. And for me, that's what our journey of discipleship should be about that we there's a moment when in what however we do that we encounter the love of Jesus. When we we, we accept him as our Savior, when we choose to follow him. And in that moment, we're loved and accepted. And yet we then commit to walking a journey where, Jesus, I want to become more like you. Not just do what you do, but become more like you. So I begin to think as Jesus would think. I begin to treat people as Jesus would treat them. I begin to respond to people like he would because we're challenged to change. In the Bible, it talks about we are transformed from one degree of glory To another, and that should be our journey. That we don't just let's rest in the fact that we are loved and accepted, but let's rise to the challenge of growing and continually walking. And this is for all of us, whether we've been a Christian a week or a long time. We're all we've never ever arrived at wherever it is. We've never made it. We are continually growing and continually changing and developing. So the woman is challenged to change, and that's exactly the same with us. And then, thirdly, we're restored for a reason. We're restored for a reason. Have any of you watched the TV um, programme, The Repair Shop? Okay, we've got quite a few fans here. So if if you don't know what that programme is, basically people bring... um, oh my goodness like objects that have seen better days let's put it that puts it mildly it might be family heirlooms or a toy that they used to play with as a child or a special chair or or something that is really precious to them but it's broken in some way it, it's damaged a lot of them they just kind of almost come in bits and they bring it to this this workshop where they've got these incredible like Um, experts who basically take that mess, that heirloom, that object, whatever it might be, and with such amazing skill, they restore it back to, or sometimes even better than it was before. And it's insane, the skill that they have, the ones that they sew and they paint and they fix. And what was this? um, I remember seeing one once, this chair that was just, it was just in bits And then what happens is the family leave it there. There's always a story and, and, you know, they they tell the story. The family leave it there. Then later they come back and there's this big reveal. And because there's so much um, meaning for that person in that object, there's always tears and it's emotional. I can't believe it's so great. But the job they do, it is nothing short of phenomenal. Because there suddenly what has been broken and just like beyond use, it's just no use a lot of the time, now is this beautiful restored artifact or object or whatever it might be that the family can then take real pride in and can use it again. And it's, it's restored, like I say, sometimes even back better than the original had been. That's a bit of an illustration of about what happens to us in Jesus. Because he, he takes us in our mess And our brokenness. And he knows what we were originally supposed to be. He knows how God designed us. And in his sweet and loving and gentle way throughout our days, if we will let him, if we will keep ourselves soft under his leadership, he will just gradually restore and rebuild and remake us into the people that he wanted us to be. We are made new and we're restored, but we're restored for a reason. I was talking to somebody this week. I can't remember if it was you. I can't honestly remember what context it was in. But we were talking about the fact that kind of back in the day, and way, way, way back in the day, there used to be this kind of idea that, well, I've become a Christian and I've got my ticket to heaven until the Lord tarries, we'll just keep coming to church and I've got my ticket. And there was this kind of, I guess, this idea of, well, I'm all right. I've been made new I'm just, I'm done now. That's me done. But actually, no, 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 because you're restored for a reason. We're restored. We're made new for a reason. Why? Because God has plans and purposes for us. Because the way that God originally, in, in, Design the world to be, so I couldn't think of the word then, the way God originally designed the world to be and the way we know it's ultimately going to be restored to, we are made new so that we bring that into our here and now, so that the way we live is God's kingdom way. That's why we're restored, not just so we can sit on a shelf in church looking pretty, not just so we can come together as beautiful as this is. No, 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 you've been restored to be put to use in God's world to bring his kingdom into the here and now. You know, we don't know what happened to the woman in that story. John doesn't go on to tell us. We don't read what choices she made from that point in, that on. But what a waste if she had met with Jesus and then just went back to her life as it was before. What a waste to have encountered Jesus and thought, oh, well, I'll just go back. I don't believe for one minute she did because an encounter with Jesus changes the trajectory of your life. And an encounter with Jesus, when we meet him, it, we are fundamentally changed within us. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you've met Jesus and you've encountered him, then you have been made new and restored for a reason. Not just so you can come to church, but so that you can live out your faith in the world. And you know, I want to encourage you as well this morning, because sometimes we can, we can hear this and think, Well, that's great, but there's all this stuff. If you looked behind me in my past, there's all this stuff. Stuff that I've done, stuff that I'm ashamed of, stuff that I don't want any of you to know. But let me tell you that your past doesn't have to define your future. Your past doesn't have to dictate the path that you walk from here on in because with Jesus involved, life can be so very, very different. I said towards the beginning that you'll never find a love like his. You'll never find Fulfillment and freedom in anyone or anything else other than him. You're fully accepted as you are. You're not condemned. You're not cast aside. You're not looked down on Jesus. Jesus accepts you as you are. But he also wants you to grow. He wants you to change and to develop and to become the person that he has created you to be. And he wants to restore you so that you then go and live out his ways, his kingdom ways in our world today. That woman encountered Jesus and it transformed her life. What those other men meant for hurt and harm and degradation and humiliation, Jesus took and made something beautiful. And that's exactly what he can do with you today. And you may be sitting there thinking, I feel okay and that's fine, but I know there will be people in a room this size feeling that you are those broken pieces, that your past and your stuff and what you're, you're dealing with now just feels like this, this pot of brokenness. I want to encourage you today, will you bring it to Jesus? Will you bring the little that you have, the mess that you have, the brokenness that you have, will you bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, please restore me. Jesus, I want to invite you into this. I wonder if right across this room we can just close our eyes just for a moment. and are going to ask Jordan and the band to come up. The power of this story, I think, is that when Jesus had every right to condemn, when he had every right to pull that woman down, to keep her where she was, he chose instead to lift her up. He chose instead to set her on a fresh start. He chose instead to say, go and live a different life. Go and be different. And he says the same to us all this morning. No matter where we are, no matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, no matter what baggage we might be carrying, he says, come. Come just as you are. And it's, I just love how God works. I had no clue what songs the band were picking today, and yet some of the words we sung are, come as you are. Just come as you are. Because his name is higher and his name is greater and his name is the only name that can break those chains that hold us. His name is the only name that brings freedom. And it would be a privilege privilege today to pray with you if you feel that you just bring in that mess and that brokenness to Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.